The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. So a while back, um, Preston asked me, we were having a conversation, and uh, I mentioned some stuff about what it is I want to talk about this morning, and he told me, you know, well, you know, he said, that'll preach, you should write some notes down and preach about it one Sunday. And I did. I wrote a bunch of notes down and uh, had several ideas, things I wanted to talk about. I'm sorry, I'm not very good with this thing yet, but... uh, there was something really important in me that just kind of said, you should wait. Um, and so that's what I told him, and that's what I did. And uh, several weeks ago, he mentioned that he would be gone this weekend, and I asked him about it, and, um, about doing this. And one of the things that, that, that I told him was, the reason why I didn't want to do it then is because I didn't want to get up here and try to blow everybody away with how smart I am, you know, uh, um, and that's what I would have done uh, a year ago. Um, and it's funny because I had several ideas of things to talk about over the past few days, and and I uh, came back to the same subject. So it's just funny to think about how the Holy Spirit works, how it tells you one thing, and then it leads you right back to the same point, but you're in a lot better place for it. Um, so we're going to start the book of Colossians, chapter 1. <laughs> Verse 13 it says, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of, the, of his beloved Son. Very, very difficult thing to understand for me for the longest time was is that I was living my life and thinking that I was accomplishing all kinds of neat things. wanted to be a good husband, wanted to be a good father, wanted to be good at my job, uh, wanted to be a good friend to my friends, on and on. But there came a point in my life where I realized I was none of those things, that I wanted to be a good husband because I wanted my wife to recognize how good a husband I was. I wanted to be a good father because I wanted my sons to see that they had the greatest dad that ever lived. I wanted my bosses to recognize how great an employee I was. Everything about my motivation was all about myself. What I was doing, it was real simple. I was building somebody else's kingdom. And I was working very hard at building somebody else's kingdom. And there came a day when I started to recognize this. And uh, there was, my simple prayer was one morning was, I just said, God, I want to let go. I saw all these things that I had done and the effect that it was having on my life and on everybody that I claimed to love. And I saw the effects of all these things that had happened to me uh, from my family, from kids growing up, you know, teachers, on and on and on. Now it had affected every one of these decisions I'd made and led me to this point that I did not want to be at. And what happened in that moment was really interesting is there was a split second where I was completely hollow. 
and then I was filled. And I can't tell you whether the voice was audible or if it was just something in my mind, but it was definitely the voice of God, and it was, you have been born again. And in that moment, what I saw was all of these things that had happened, all these horrible things that I had done, well, somebody else had done those things. And all these things that had happened to me, it all happened to somebody else. There was an incredible amount of love and an incredible amount of joy in my life. And what happens as I've gone along over the past four years is sometimes I don't have that much love and joy in my life. You want to live on this plane. You want to live in this existence, but we don't. And so I started out on a path that I wanted to figure out why. Because I want to live there. I want that to be the baseline, and I want to go forward from that. So if you go to Romans chapter 8, verse 38, this is the Apostle Paul, and he says, for I am convinced. So when Paul tells me he's convinced of something, I pay attention, right? (laughs) I mean, this should be something that's big. He says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's real easy to read that and think nothing can. But there's actually something that's not on that list. If you read there in the middle, it says things present, nor things to come. So right now, nothing can separate me from the love of God. And God knows what I'm going to do tomorrow. He knows how I'm going to say something stupid. (laughs) He knows I'm going to do something stupid. And that can't separate me from the love of God. But what's not on this list is our past. Now, We know, based on, you know, we just took communion, that our past has been washed away. Like I said, that voice told me, you know, all these things that happened to somebody else, somebody else had done these things. But we dwell in the past a lot. I know I do. I spend a lot of time alone driving. And so it's real easy to get into thinking. Remember when so and so said this? Do you remember when this happened? Do you remember when you did this? A lot of times when we go to bed at night, we lay there and we think about these things. We let our minds wander on these things that have happened. And in that moment, God still loves us. That hasn't changed. But are we building something that keeps us from experiencing it? Back in, when, when Jesus was crucified, when he died, one of the things that happened is that curtain in the temple was torn, right? But it wasn't destroyed. It didn't vaporize. It didn't catch on fire to where it never existed again. It's still there. It's just in two pieces. Is it possible for us to try to sew it back up? 
How often do we do that? How often do we let our minds continue to go backwards and backwards and backwards to this place where we were building somebody else's kingdom? To this place where we hadn't been. You know, we talk about the idea of dwelling in the past, and the word dwell means to live. You know, it means that's where we try to live sometimes. I want a solution to that. You know, I want I want a way to live that that's not the way I live. I don't want to think about those things anymore. I want to move forward. A while back, Preston did a series on a. Well, you guys going to be out here early because I really thought this was going to take longer. <laughs> Second Peter, chapter one. You guys can tell how much I use my phone to read the Bible now. <laughs> Chapter 1, starting in verse 4. It says, For by these he has granted us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. He's given us these promises, and because of these promises, we uh, we have everything we need to to live this life. Um, now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and your brotherly kindness, love. So we have this, this plan laid out here where it says through all diligence. This is something that we have to constantly be seeking, constantly be doing, figuring out a way to have a moral excellence in our life. And then in adding to that moral excellence, knowledge. It's just going to be this constant building knowledge and self-control self-control to perseverance perseverance godliness godliness brother kindness and brotherly kindness to love these things are things that that we have to constantly be striving for because it says if for these qualities are yours and are increasing they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our lord jesus christ for he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. I can tell you in those moments where I, where I, I, I do that, where I think about all these things, when I can start remembering something that happened years ago, and I start letting that, thinking about that, that I've forgotten all of this. <laughs> it's not the kind of thing I think about at all. I'm sitting here remembering, you know, something horrible my dad said to me years ago. And then all of a sudden, 
I'm not thinking about the fact that I've been forgiven, that that was all in the past, that that was all something that had happened and is gone now. Reminds me of the importance of uh, taking every thought captive and making it an obedient to Christ. Um, Brother Doug a while back mentioned the concept of guarding our heart something we don't really think about a lot but if you'll really consider that idea one thing you'll find is that your heart needs to be guarded that it's a soft spot that it's a weakness in us and if we're not careful we can let it be attacked by something that can damage us and it's something that we have to be very mindful of, that we have to protect. It's something we have to look at. So many of these things that, that we were saved from, um, they're still alive. You know, if if you have a bunch of cockroaches in your house, you would clean your house and you would call an exterminator and you would do all this and, and they'd be gone. Well, the cockroaches are still there. They're just not inside your house. But they do know that was a good place to eat and it was a good place to hang out. And they're going to want to try to come back into your house again. We entertained all these things for years and years and years and years of our lives. And they're still out there. And they liked living with you. And they liked living with me. They liked being part of our lives. And if we're not careful, they will come back and make themselves at home again. Philippians 3.7. I wrote that down for some reason. It must have been important. Several times over the years, um, I've I've gotten the opportunity to actually read the entire Bible, um, um, you know, from one end to the other. Uh, did it a couple of times just so I could know what it says. Um, did it one time uh, a couple of years ago, the last time, where it was a uh, was a challenge. You read the entire Bible in 30 days, uh, which is a chore. <laughs> I mean, you got to you got to sit down and do some reading. You don't get to spend a lot of time studying it. There are certain people in the Bible that, that I'm kind of fascinated with. Um, and the Apostle Paul is a big one to me. Um, when you look at how much of your New Testament was written by him, and then you come to the realization that he spent zero seconds of his life with Jesus. He was completely outside of that inner circle. He was not one of the 12 disciples. But he had this encounter that changed his life. And he spent a serious amount of time thinking and considering. And so I've had these questions about him. And one of them is, what 
could possibly motivate him? What could what could it be about this that made his life what it is? So right here in Philippians chapter three, what he's talking about is he's talking about his past. He's talking about all these things that he were, he was before he met Christ. Right there in chapter and verse seven, he says, "But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ." More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. It may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain the resurrection of the dead, resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold. I lost my place, I'm sorry. <laughs> so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Jesus Christ. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. When I see the motivation of him just, just dedicating his life, everything that he is, to the idea of knowing Jesus, not knowing about him, not being able to have all this incredible knowledge, but to have this, this deep personal relationship. And when he gets to the end and when he says, I haven't got there yet. Yes, he wrote, you know, two-thirds of the New Testament, but he hasn't got there yet. <laughs> but the one thing he does is forget what's behind him. He makes himself forget. He pushes himself to not remind himself of what he was. He doesn't remind himself of his failings. He reminds himself of who Jesus is and what he's going after. Really, that's about all I had to say this morning. I really thought this was, I was kind of worried that it was actually going to take too long. That's kind of funny. Um, in the book of Revelation, it says that they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Which means our testimony is equally as important as the blood of the Lamb. It's right there. It's like number two on the list. And so it's important to have this 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 soberness about us, this uh, understanding of what we have been saved from. 
that shouldn't be taken away. But the important part about that is not that we were messes. But the important part of our testimony is the fact that he saved us from those messes. That he reached into all of that horribleness and pulled us out of it. I know I spent spent entirely too much time over the past four years telling people about just how destructive I was as a person. And I was. But the important part of that story is that that's not who I am now. And it's not who I am now because of what he did for me. There has to be some kind of place in all this for us to there has to be a place in all this for us to, to put aside that one side and focus on the fact that at this point in time, there was a point for all of us, each and every one of us, that he rescued us, that he saved us. And let that be the important part of our lives. Not all this junk that we were before. Because that's all gone. Desiree never even got a chance to get comfortable. <laughs> this took me nearly two hours to write, too. This is crazy. <laughs> y'all would, if y'all stand, we'll we'll pray real quick. I just don't want to. I just don't want to live back there anymore. Um, I think so many, so much of the time, so much of the things that are holding us back now is we still identify with this old person that died. Um, you know, Paul tells us, you know, you are a new creation. The old is gone; the new has come. Sometimes when people talk about miracles and stuff like that. I've actually been asked by some people, do you really believe that stuff? Yes, I do. Do you really believe you have the power to raise the dead? Yes, I do, because I do it every day. I try to pull a dead man out of the ground and try to become him again. But the simple truth is, the truth is, that person is dead. That person died around 2,000 years ago and is buried right outside the city of Jerusalem. And when Jesus came out of the grave, he left him in there. It's very easy to get deceived into thinking when you make a mistake. We spent, I spent 46 years being trained to live a certain way. The world says it's okay. People you know say it's okay. It's been a very, very short amount of my life trying to think differently and trying to live differently. And at some point, we have to learn to give ourselves a break and say, I'm going to get better at that. There's a promise in this book for me that that doesn't have to be the way I live. And that's not who I am anymore.
Father, we love you. We, we're here this morning to say that, that you have done something incredible to each and every one of us. And the idea that you would bring us all together to unify us is even more incredible. You saved us. So let our hearts this morning just understand the simple truth of that statement. You saved us. Let our minds remember you. Anytime that, that this tries to come back and tries to haunt us and tries to take control again, let us know that those things are all lies. They can't be true. We have no past. Our past is gone. Help us remember that we have now and we have what we're striving for. We have today and we have tomorrow. And those are the important things. You washed away everything else. And we're here this morning because we love you. And we're here this morning because you loved us. And no matter what happens, they, there's nothing that can keep that from us. The only thing that can keep that from us is what we decide to put in the way. Do we ask that you empty our hands and that you keep us? Because we want to know you and we want to be like you and we want to see you clearly. We ask all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at Champions.